With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by Jim Moore. Welcome to the show, Jim. How are you? I'm fine, Paul. Thanks for asking me. We've uh, come off the back of uh, two defeats. The last time you were here was Friday of last week, of course. We've gone into the first Glasgow derby of the season, 2 0. And then last night, the first Europa League group game against AC Milan, 3 uh, 1 defeat. So let's have a wee chat about those two results as we head in to Patoji on Sunday, Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of big questions to be answered, I think. I mean, when you look at last night's performance, do you believe it was a big enough improvement on Saturday, first and foremost? I think it was obviously better than Saturday. And obviously, a, a week's a long time in football. This time last week, we're sitting here thinking, well, we'll, we'll win the Glasgow derby, we go two points clear, win the game at hand, we're five points clear. And, and off we go to ten in a row, but obviously things have went backward a little bit. Uh, but in terms of last night, last night was a little bit better. Uh, we're playing a team who are several levels above us in class. So you have to always remember that. You know, they're, they're, they're faster to the ball, they're, they're better players than we have. But I thought first 15 minutes looked okay. And then we lose a daft goal, another daft goal, where we need to stop losing daft goals. That's that's number one. Uh, another daft goal just before half-time. Lenny did the right thing. This time put on a couple of subs at half-time. Thought we played a wee bit better the second half. I thought they took the foot off the gas a little bit, took their, took their, their star man off the park, mm. and that was an indication that I think they thought the game's won. Uh, we get the goal back, and it's quite interesting for the last ten minutes or so, and then we lose another kind of sloppy goal. Understandable since we're pushing the game, but with a couple of wee set pieces towards the end of the game that with a better delivery, who knows, we might have sneaked something. But I think 
end of the day, the better team won and, and no complaints. But I think the thing we learnt last night was maybe going back to the four at the back, maybe that's the way to go. Well, that that's really been something that's been key in the last couple of defeats, Jim. It's been the defensive frailties of Celtic. And I don't think there were many people who were sad to see Shane Duffy coming in. I mean, that there was a, there was a whole um, you know furore over Duffy's arrival at Celtic. We spoke about it on this podcast. Everybody was happy. We can't change what was said at the time. But in the last couple of games, he's looked a bit suspect, Jim, now. I think you have and to get to the reason for that, Paul. Yeah. And is it, is, it, is, it, is it the shape of the team? Is it the fitness of the guy? Uh, he's not played many games before this. There's just too many games coming uh, in quick succession. Uh, I think he would look better in a back four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if we're going to pin more hopes on him to keep the defence together, if we keep playing in a back three, that's going to expose him. So I think going with a four from now on. I think Lenny has to figure out what's the best shape What's the best formation? What's the best team? And then you just stick to it. And I think he's been unfortunate again. I mean, I think we can all... I mean, obviously, after last week's defeat, you know, social media was in meltdown in terms of what should be happening next, get rid of the manager, etc., etc. But I think the number of players that were out last week in terms of Edward and Christie and Beto and El Hamed all down to COVID. You've got Forrest missing. Julian's injured. Lee Griffiths isn't 100% fit. Uh, and that's an issue. Why is he not 100% fit mm-hmm. three months into the season? So we'd create a few players down eh, last week. And I think I said to you before we went on air there that if you actually split last week into three and look at it, what happened before the game, what happened in the first half, what happened in the second half. In the first half, you, eh, in terms of the team, you and I sat here last week and we, we picked the same team, I think. Eh, we both had Lee up front and Big Julian at the back. Mm. And you made the point that maybe Patrick Clamalla is the only fit guy we've got. So Lenny plays Patrick Clamalla on the assumption he's the only fit guy we've got. Big Julian's injured. He plays a young boy Welsh at the back to keep the shape. So, so from my point of view, I thought that's an OK team. Possibly from your point of view, it's an OK team. And a lot of Celtic fans would have thought that's an OK team. So I can't really criticise the manager for picking that team. You look at the first half, and if the game had finished at half-time and we'd have lost 1-0, it was a completely nothing game. Nothing happened in the first half at all. Neither goalkeeper had to make a save. There was two incidents that's all that happened in that whole first half. First one that one would assume the management who had, had, had told the players not to give away any soft free kicks or corner kicks and we give away a kind of daft free kick because we know that their strength is balls in from the wides, whether it's Tavernier or Barisic. Mm. So we give away a silly, silly free kick. The ball comes in the box. You mentioned Shane Duffy. He's the guy we're pinning our hopes on. He's there for those games. He's not there for the Hamilton games or the Tony Macaroni Stadium or wherever, those are the games he's in for. Mm-hmm. And by his own admission on social media after, he didn't have a good game. So he should have cut that cross out. And then you should maybe put some blame on the goalkeeper as well. Whether he'd have saved it or not, maybe he'd have made a, could have made a better effort towards that. So you give away a daft foul, your centre-half's all over the place and your goalkeeper could have done a bit better. You can't blame Lenny for that because he'd be tearing his head out watching that. And then the other big incident is we have they make a mistake and Moel and Usi's 15 yards from goal. So if it was you or I in that position, we'd have maybe skied the ball 10 yards over the bar. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. And that annoys the hell out of me when I see things like that because he's there in training every day. And I don't know how old, how old is Mo in his mid, maybe in his mid-twenties. Yeah. You know, however many years he's been doing this, every week, been coached. Uh, so that when he's in that position that he has the composure, the skill, the temperament, whatever... 
just to you know get the ball on target and make the keeper work. And what did he do? He did what you or I would do. He put the ball ten years ten years over the bar. You can't blame Lenny for that. So he's tearing his head out. So as far as I'm concerned, if the game had finished at half time, would have been disappointed losing one 0 in a completely nothing game. But the big concern was the second half, and the big yes. concern was the fact that there was no substitutions at half time. Because mm-hmm. I think I said a couple of weeks ago, the one of the big advantages we've got this season that we didn't expect is five subs. Didn't expect that. And for the team this size of Celtic in the Scottish League, I think every game we should be putting on two subs at half time. Irrespective of the score, I put on two subs at half time. Why? Is my logic behind that is because under normal circumstances, I think most managers don't make a change maybe to after about an hour. And they might make one or two substitutions and they'll keep them maybe the maybe the third guy back just in case there's an injury and maybe stick him on in the last fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. You can stick two subs on at half time and still do that. So if you're winning the game quite easily, then give other players a good forty five minutes. Rest two players for forty five minutes. Because the thing about being a sub you know this yourself, Paul, having played football. You hate being a I sub. I thought you were going to say that, you know, you know this yourself because you're a sub. <laughs> Tears for that, Jim. <laughs> Maybe you were always a sub. Who knows? But you know, having played football yep. when you were younger, uh, younger. <laughs> when you were younger when you played football, if you were a sub, you've been spending all week looking forward to this game and you're a sub and you know you only get maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So if you're a player and obviously you're getting well paid to do that, but you still feel the same. You're only getting 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And if you guarantee a lot of your players 45 minutes, no matter what, that would make them a wee bit happier. So even if you're winning convincingly, bring on a couple of subs. If you're not playing particularly well, then you should be bringing on a couple of subs. You know, so I think that's a weapon or an opportunity we should be using a lot more, irrespective Mm. of, you know, winning well or, or losing badly. So we should have brought in a couple of subs at the start of the second half last week. We lost the goal after it was another nine minutes again. I it thought was. that was quite a good move they had down down the right hand side. Some nice play, decent cross. I thought Duffy did really well to block the first one because he dived in the block the first one, and then a wee bit of luck from their point of view. It just you know, bounces around and they score the second goal. But after that, it was just a shocking performance in terms of the attitude of the players. The manager didn't change things. I don't know what the coaching staff were doing. It was just abject. You're talking about subs, Jim. One of the biggest aspects. We won't labour the fact we're trying to connect Saturday's game to last night so that we can then look forward to Sunday. But really, if you're David Turnbull with six minutes to go, I think that's it. It was a disappointment for him, of course. But it was also a disappointment for us as Celtic fans. You know, the the signing of Turnbull was a a long drawn out process because of what happened to uh, the young man with the injury. Fought back from it. We've been looking forward to seeing him. He's a he's a really exciting prospect in Scottish football, and we've only seen him fleetingly. But you know, he's a guy that that is creative. You know, he is creative both individually to uh, create a chance for himself or for his teammates. That's the type of player that we wanted on the park because we were missing, of course, uh, Ryan Christie, who I believe is the most creative player we've got. Uh, we leave it till six minutes to go at two nothing down, and then bring him on with, with no chance for him to actually change the game. I think it's difficult again because of the how many good players we actually do have. Mm-hmm. We've got a really good squad. It'd be different if you know we didn't have much of a squad and we get more we get more game time. I think last night maybe was an opportunity because I don't think certainly I didn't have any expectation last night of getting anything. And when they scored after what was it, thirteen, fourteen minutes or something, like, I'd have gladly stopped the game then. Just blow the whistle. I'll take a one 0 defeat because losing the goal that early, I'm thinking. Given the confidence a wee bit low just now, this could be you know four, five, six. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing we want to happen. Mm-hmm. 
But the, I thought the team did reasonably well to come back into it. Didn't get hammered and made a game of it in the second half. But you know, we, we, we brought in Tom Rogic. I mean, Rogic's an excellent player. So if you're up against Tom Rogic, and I take all the points on board, that we bought the guy, let's 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 maybe try and play the guy. Tom Rogic did really well. So it's hard to criticise. He brought somebody on who actually. Well, the substitutions turned out really well last night, Jim. Right. I also um, think it's hard because of what we've talked because of the ten, and we spoke again just before going on air about the ten dwarfs everything. So, so the ten will kind of influence Lenny's thinking, mm-hmm. and we need to keep winning games, and and that's why he tends to go for the tried and tested, experienced guys, and he doesn't throw younger guys because he's a young guy at the end of the day, and there's loads of pressure on this season, you know. And come this Sunday, there's just like that's that's, that's ratcheted up another huge factor in terms of Sunday. Let's talk about pressure then, because um, looking at today's conference with Neil Lennon, um, he said, "I need a performance and a win," and he went on to say that we will come back stronger than ever. Now, obviously, the pressure of being the, the Celtic manager is omnipresent, Jim. Mm-hmm. Lennon knows this because it's his second time in charge. He knows what's involved. He knows the magnitude of the job um, that 10 in a row entails. Is he the man to deal with the pressure? Now, what I mean by that is there's been loads of comments and we take a lot of the comments on board and we discard a lot of the comments because on the bulletin, for example, after the game last night, literally hundreds of comments coming in and I invite them. I want to engage with as many Celtic supporters as possible. If fans of other clubs come in with something that's balanced, great. But obviously, there has to be a period of uh, monitoring the comments, which unfortunately falls on my uh, plate. So I'm having to do that as well. And there's a lot of absolute nonsense coming in. Um, I've got to say, not generally from Celtic supporters, thank, thankfully. So you're dealing with all that. But you're looking also at the pressure that Neil Lennon has put up with through his career. You know, the, the situations that he dealt with as a player, we know they were unacceptable as a player, Jim, and we know why, um, you know, he was subject to that. And then as a manager, uh, particularly first time round, the uh, the abuse, the attacks, the threats, uh, bullets in the post, we know that that level of pressure is horrific. And has anyone ever had to deal with something like that in the history of the club? Well, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. This is a different type of pressure, Jim, but we know that Neil Lennon can deal with pressure. Is he able to deal with this? Is he able to deal with the the expectation of the whole Celtic support, the PLC, the club, the players, everybody around the club? Is Lennon dealing with that? Uh, I think winning the 10 is within his hands. He's actually the only person responsible to try and deliver this 10, and that's an awesome responsibility. And... As fans, you know, we, we spend far too much time, literally, every waking minute trying to figure out what we should be doing next. Mm-hmm. And he's got the burden himself in terms of the team he picks, the shape of the team, etc., etc. It's not been going so well the last week. The performances maybe haven't been that great, but as long as he was winning three points, from if I was a manager and my team go out and win, and win three points, and I'm not interested in what people have to say because I've I've achieved my objective. And you could be saying to me, well, maybe your performances should be better. Maybe you should have done this. Maybe you should have done that. And maybe if I had have done that, we wouldn't have got three points. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I don't think you can argue with a manager who delivers three points of the game. They've achieved their objective. I think when you don't deliver the three points, then you can then question some of the stuff. And I think what you're looking for 
as an understanding as to why what's happened in the last week, what's actually caused this, why haven't been, why why have the performances not been as good as they could have been? Well, there's loads of players missing. So there's this one big obvious thing. Mm-hmm. Edward is the most talented player in the country by a mile, and he's not playing. He wasn't playing particularly well. Before he had to had to withdraw because of COVID. But you know he's missing. He's our main guy. Uh, Julian, who was awesome at the back last year, he's injured. Uh, I think you mentioned before, but we couldn't get Fraser Foster back. Uh, and he's such a big influence. I'm not saying anything against the goalkeeper we've got just now, but he has a huge influence mm-hmm. on that team. So we need to understand why things haven't been going as well as they could have been and what what, what, what action is Lenny taking to actually make that better. And if he's taking the right action to make things better, then I think he's still the man to lead us forward. And he'll, and he'll, he'll be able to deal with anything. Comes it. Given what he's had to deal with over the last 20 years, he can deal with anything. But it's an, it's an awesome responsibility because we're sitting here just now, and as I said, most, most Celtic fans will be thinking, eh, we've got a game on Sunday, who's he going to play? What if we lose it? What's going to happen next? So, so we are thinking all the time, we're overthinking all this kind of stuff. What must he be like? Because <laughs> he's the guy that's going to make or break the chain. I just think it's, a, it's an awesome responsibility that we've got absolutely no conception of. It's just... We don't, we don't. It's just, I mean, in terms of, this is a, you know, I was going to say, once in a lifetime... Once in a ever you know, historical stuff, chances are this will never happen again. It's historical and it's in his hands. Imagine that being in your hands. <laughs> it's up to you, mm. and you're having thousands or tens of thousands of people telling you what to do. That's wrong. Do this, and the people that are telling them what to do have never managed a team in their life. You know, the, the, the guys like you and I who are enthusiastic amateurs, and we think we know a wee bit about the game. Uh, but if you're winning, I don't think you can say too much. But if you start losing, I think it's perfectly valid to ask some questions. Last night didn't bother me at all. They are, as I said earlier, several levels above us. If we took anything from that game, it would have been fantastic. But I expected us to lose. As long as we didn't lose by too many, that was fine. We're going to Aberdeen on Sunday. We're a better team than Aberdeen. We've got better players. Uh, and we should win. Then again, we said that about last Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it didn't quite pan out. But I think we've got a real challenge this year and we need to rise to the challenge and get back to playing the way we can play and we need to figure out or Lenny needs to figure out what's the best shape to suit the players that he's got if you're going to play Shane Duffy then you can't play three at the back because that doesn't suit him if you want the best at Shane Duffy then I think you have to play four at the back who do you pair with him I think obviously at the moment Bagaya yes if Julian's fit who do you play well that's 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 a question for me there, there's happens. a dilemma there, there's actually a dilemma um, that we'll talk about, Jim. Now you're talking about shape, and we'll definitely get onto that because it will be interesting um, to see whether Lennon looks at last night's performances and when things started getting better with a change in shape, if, he, if he's going to continue with that. Um, and like you say, the Shane Duffy scenario with uh, regards to him coming in as a pivot, and certainly in the last couple of games, um, him looking to be the weak point in that defence, which... You know, it's unusual when you're looking at someone who he's coming in um, from a, a, a very high level uh, down in England. He's the international captain of the Republic of Ireland. And I think we all, or a, a huge majority of us, pinned our hopes on Shane Duffy to come in and make everything better at the back. Absolutely, but I think you've also got to think about uh, if he's not used to playing in the back three, mm-hmm. straight away then he's, he's not sure where he goes, pushes up, pushes back, where he goes. 
the last two games, he's played with a young boy Welsh beside him. This is a young guy, how old is he, 21, 22, something like that, who's you know, maybe played one game before for Celtic. So yes. he's got to keep an eye on him as well and try and make sure he does the right things. So he's doing two things. He's trying to play his own game. He's trying to shepherd the young boy through the game. Mm-hmm. He's got one of the you know, biggest football icons in front of him last night and he's playing three at the back, which he might not be used to doing. So again, those are factors and that's a bit about saying, well, we need to understand the need to get to the point why isn't Shane Duffy playing as well as he should be playing? What's what's the answer to that question? And once you get the answer to the question, then you need to change it to try and make it better. If he doesn't change it to make it better, things will get worse. And then you can ask legitimate questions of the manager to say, well, you know you should have done that and didn't do it. And if you're not doing that, then things are going to get worse. And we all know that Celtic are only ever, you know, one defeat away from a crisis. We've had two in the last week. And as we said before, we can't remember the last time we did that. I can't remember, 90s. certainly, the last time we went three. Um, yeah. Someone might be able to tell us, Jim, uh, who's listening in, when was the last time? And by the way, I'm not having us defeated at Pataudry before a ball's kicked. But you're at- This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Absolutely right. What happens directly after a game, Jim, is we always go live. So myself, normally with two others, we go live. And what you're getting is the raw reaction of Celtic supporters um, who obviously indulge in this game of football like it's, you know, a life or death scenario. So you're getting the raw emotion. You then get the opportunity, Jim, to think about it a wee bit and then come back the following day. And that's where we are just now. But there was a, there was comments last night about Shane Duffy. Um, and my esteemed colleague, Kevin, likened him to Daniel Mistorovic. Now, I'm not ready to, to write off Shane Duffy. What I would maybe say, and I, and I did say it this morning on Twitter, is that I'm not convinced that Shane Duffy's 100% fit. People may obviously normally say, well, why is he playing? The reason he's playing is because we've got a bit of defensive crisis at the moment. And actually, it's credit to him. If that is the case, Jim, mm-hmm. and he continues to play on. We've seen it in the past. We've seen Bruni doing it for Celtic, whereby he just continually plays through injury. And, you know, whilst you would love every player on the park to be 100% fit, 
I don't think Duffy is, and I think that's maybe one of the, the issues. Also, he's been thrown into three games a week, and he's he's come out of you know a Brighton second string or playing very little competitive football gym to playing three games a week. I think that's hit him as well as the positional. There's also another big factor that is he's apparently a huge fan. He's a huge Celtic fan, so he mm-hmm. he he gets that. He knows what's at stake, and he's played in games where the performances from the team and possibly him himself haven't been that good. And we've just lost two games. And he must have been so looking forward to the game last week, albeit no fans. But this was going to be like the big game. Mm-hmm. And if he is a big fan of the club, he must have been, you know, as a young kid thinking, I'd love to play in that game. And to have played so poorly and to have you know, let people down, he must have been devastated last week. And yeah. as I said, he, he took to social media to say, I'm big enough, ugly enough to say, you know, I didn't play well enough today. So maybe he's a bit anxious because he knows what's at stake. Maybe... He's more anxious than some other players who maybe have been there for two or three years but don't don't think the 10 is such an important thing. And as we said previously, the 10 is kind of holding us back a wee bit. Everything's to do with the 10 because I think that we should be looking long term. And, you know, and there's obviously a lot of, kind of rumours going about social media, most of it's mince, I would imagine. But I think the likes of Dermot Desmond or Peter Lowell should be looking for a new manager, not be to replace Neil Lennon this season, but... For a five-year plan or for a ten-year plan, you should always be thinking, what happens next? Because mm-hmm. if we do do the ten, will Lenny stay on? Will he go? Well, you need to make sure that if if it comes to that and Lenny does want to go, or, or he's pushed, or whatever happens, if Lenny's not here next year, who's the manager next year? And you can't wait to next May to then figure out that's what's going to happen. So we need a five-year or a ten-year plan that says this is how we're going to go. And if and when Lenny leaves, and if he doesn't leave because we've won ten, they're all brilliant. And even if he stays, fine. But one must assume that the Dermot Desmond's this world must have some sort of plans going forward over the next few years, where we want the club to be, what kind of manager do we think is going to take the club forward over the next few years. That might be Lenny, it might not be Lenny, but you need to have that in place. You need to know what you're going to do. Yeah. When you are one of these men with influence at Celtic and you're looking at this current situation, and I think everybody would be accused of overreacting. It's one defeat, it's two defeats. I think this season though, Jim, uh, and looking at it as balanced as, as possible uh, with, a, with a balanced viewpoint, it's not just been about those two results. I think that the performances all season, and it, you know, perhaps with the exception of the Hibs game, Hibs, yeah, yeah. Um, have been less than inspiring. Now, I totally subscribe to what you say about when it comes down to, yes, I would love to be playing the, the fast flowing attractive football that Celtic are known for I'd love that and that, that would be brilliant the priority is always a win right so I'm going to use an example and I'm not comparing the managers but you look at Scotland for years and years and years constantly we would say underachieving if you look back at the, the times where we were um, you know qualifying for finals mm-hmm. Stevie Clark starts getting results totally uninspiring to watch but he's getting results now. Yep. So the results are key. And then obviously with Celtic, and with their budget and their, the magnitude um, of Celtic's budget compared to other clubs in our, our domestic se- uh, setup, you would then hope to be doing it with some style. You would hope to be doing it to build something in Europe. So this season has been poor performances and grinding out results against the likes of St Mirren mm-hmm. or Livingston, yep. uh, a late winner against Dundee United two late goals against St Johnson so mm-hmm. the nature of the performances haven't been there but there's no big crisis because 
we're getting the results. Points on the board. Yep. Fenis Varos, terrible result. Yep. Not for the first time uh, in Europe under Neil Lennon. So there was a there was a situation this morning where Neil Lennon has actually compared uh, a result last season to where we are now. And, you know, we got beat off Livingston two nothing. Uh, there's nothing to panic about. I think this is a little bit different. Where you're getting beat off your your main challengers at home and one of the most uninspiring performances in my living memory. But the, the actual performances this season have been fairly uninspiring. We've steamroller teams through maybe having that depth of squad, maybe being able to bring on players to make the change, i.e. St. Johnson. You'll, you'll look at the changes there. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think that, you know, if we get to the point where we're not reacting the way we are, you know, do you then go another defeat? Do you go another few weeks? Do the performances improve at all? I wouldn't disagree with anything that you've said there. Uh, I think, as I said earlier, I think if, if, if Lenny knows how to fix this and he goes about fixing it, then fine. If he's not sure how to fix it, then you, you would really have to change that. Uh, I also look at the players we have at the moment and you talked about kind of fast, exciting football. Who's going to give you fast, exciting football? Well, people who can take players on. Mm-hmm. Who do we have that can do that? James Forrest, he's out injured for a while. Mikey Johnson is out injured. Jeremy Finpong? Apart from that, who actually takes players on? Ryan Christie, maybe, he's a different kind of player. So you actually need players who can take players on. And our rivals across the city, a lot of their successes, they've got maybe three or four guys that can play in the team who take players on and make things happen. So maybe we don't have the kind of players to, to play that kind of football I've said before and I'll stick by it I think Lee's Lee's the kind of main guy for me I think if we get Lee fit and I play Lee again on Sunday if we get Lee fit and we get Eddie back then the options just multiply by a big number and we get James Forrest back and maybe Mikey Johnson in there those are the flair players if we get them back then hopefully things will change but we need to do, deal with the kind of now and the now is Sunday mm-hmm. so Lenny has to have a team that goes up there and puts on a performance and wins the game if we don't win on Sunday, then the whole thing just, you know, gets much, much worse, intensifies, you know. It's a bit, bit. What is he doing to try and make things better? What is his coaching staff doing to make things better? And again, as I've said to you in weeks gone by, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm assuming from what I've read that Neil's a bit of a kind of Martin and Neil type manager. Doesn't take the training, doesn't deal with the tactics. He's mm-hmm. a kind of man-manager inspirational guy uh, signs the players hopefully uh, so the coaching is then done by John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan how good are they? don't know uh, compared to maybe what we had under the previous manager maybe that's a different level altogether so so there's some questions to be asked so we don't know the answers to those questions but the performances we tend to indicate something's wrong somewhere and we need to try and change that albeit we're missing loads of players. We are. We absolutely are, Jim. And I'm glad you brought up the, you know, the rumour mill that, uh, you know, has gone into overdrive. And I think there is a feeling that, you know, people panic after a defeat. It's disappointing after a defeat. Um, I don't think there's panic, but I also don't think you can then just discard everybody's points of view. And I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about don't panic, you know, with regards to the fact that we've got a great squad. We're looking at a situation at the moment where, yes, we are several key men down, several entertaining creative players down due to illness and injury. Um, and 
you know, our challenges aren't really dealing with that situation. We are. Uh, but when you're looking at the, the players, for example, who came on last night, I think what that shows you is we still have the type of players you can come on to make a, a positive difference to the, the team now. When I'm looking at Christie, for me, he is the most creative player Celtic have. The reason he never started last night is down to uh, the player, the fitness, the you know the fact that he's he's been isolated and therefore the training hasn't been as intense. I would guess. Rogic absolutely thought he was on his way out. Thought he was gone. We'd never see uh, the big man again in a Celtic jersey. What I've seen against St. Johnson, what I've seen last night, gives me hope that there's an option we didn't think we were going to have, Jim. And I hope it is, because, you know, yeah, we're looking at past glories. He's only 28. It's yeah. not as though he's 34 and you're not going to get a tune out of him. So there's another option. El Yunusi comes in, a player that I have championed all season and who has let me down <laughs> and, and been pretty disappointing. He comes in after the disappointment of his performance against Rangers and he does the job last night. And as you say, all it takes is for another two or three of the players who are out to come back in. But even with the players fit, Previous to the illness, previous to James E. Forrest's injury, previous to Julianne's injury, it was uninspiring. That's where the concern comes in. Now, on a Celtic state of mind, what I want to avoid, Jim, is, you know, just spreading rumours. Like everybody else, you get the texts, you know, people share things in WhatsApp groups. I've read them all. And you, you, you hear about uh, players, you hear about cliques, you hear about the manager and lifestyles and all that stuff. We're not going to spread any of that on a Celtic state of mind. What I'm looking at is the performance, the manner of the performances and how things can be changed. Now, if you've got a manager there who watches the Rangers game, doesn't change it. You know, you're, you, you know within 15 minutes it's not working, you change it. And I don't always mean a tranche of uh, substitutes coming on. Change the shape if the shape's not working. So last yeah. night we lined up with the same shape. And and ultimately, barring the two forwards, we're the same personnel. Did that surprise you last night? Uh, it surprised me we didn't go to the back four. I thought we'd have played 4 5 1 last night, given the quality of the opposition. Uh, but then we got in the first 15 minutes, you think this is actually quite good in terms of how we're playing. But as soon as they score the goal, you, you know you're never going to come back from that. Uh, I like the idea of playing two strikers up front. When it actually happened, because I thought this is a big risk, but in actual yeah. fact, they look quite good. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're just enthusiastic amateurs. Uh, one of the things that was on social media that's going to be worth mentioning was, was the fact that it seems to be after the defeat last week, Desmond, Des- Des- Desmond had, had a Zoom call with Peter Law and, and Neil Lennon and, and kind of waved a kind of metaphorical yellow card towards Lennon, going to sort this out. And, and that's how I feel. Something's wrong and it has to be sorted out. So, we need to sort out as quickly as possible. And as, le- as long as Lenny does that, then that's, as far as I'm concerned, then that's absolutely fine. But he has to find that shape. You mentioned a few players there who are coming back. We need to find a shape for them to play in so that they're in the team. Mm-hmm. So if big Tom Rogers going to play in the team, which is formation that gets the best out of him? Where's he going to play? You're going to play him and Ryan Christie as well. They're a wee bit similar. Yeah, can you? So, so can, can you, you, can you do that? Them. Yep. Who are you going to play wide? Uh, the big positive in the last two games has been a left wing by a left back result. Yeah, I mean here's somebody who's who's you know played for AC Milan, uh, Uruguay international uh, was selected for the best team in the 2018 World Cup. Mm-hmm. He's got the best pedigree of any player in Scottish football, and I thought he was great last night. Head up all the time, aggressive forward to the top yeah. of the time, aggressive, mm-hmm. 
puts a good ball in, took players on, took responsibility. I thought he was great. Yeah, I night. agree with that. Uh, so that's been a bit of a find. So there's going to be certain players you say, well, you have to play him and have to play him and have to play him. Uh, so what's the shape if you're saying we're going to have to play these guys? Mm-hmm. So you'd love to play James Forrest and Tom Rogic and Ryan Christie. Cham, for me, the jury's still out. I think in Europe, maybe it's a bit more time on the ball and looks better. Is he playing in the right position? You know, when Scott Brown came off last night, he then played the Scott Brown role and he played really well. Uh, is that because he got a bit more time in the ball? Because if you're at Ross County or St Johnson, they're kicking you off the park and maybe he's not up for that. Maybe he's not up for that. So, what's our best team? So, who's our best players? What's the best formation? Get it sorted out and off we go. And things should be okay because we're a better, we've got better players than every other team, including the team we played last week. So we should be playing better and we should be winning games. And before the game last week, we played nine games, won eight, drew one game. That's pretty good. We've lost last week. I don't think Europe is a big thing for us this this year. Uh, It'd be good to go and do well. I think I said last week, it's actually farcical we're actually playing European games, home and away. For me, that's just a nonsense. Mm -hmm. So Europe's all about doing okay, not getting a doing, hopefully putting in one or two performances, getting some players some some sort of match fitness but the 10 as I said earlier kind of overshadows everything so we need to get it right for the league games even even the cup game next week I'm not that fussed because it all seems a bit bizarre this is last year's cup mm. semi-final and the most bizarre thing about that you, you're right because personnel changes and you were part of a team last season and you maybe played in various rounds for a different team and yeah it does become a bit bizarre but I must admit I would I would love to wrap up the treble from last oh, season yeah. as oh, well You know, absolutely I mean another big historical thing to have won the fourth treble would be fantastic it wouldn't make up for not doing the ten but it would be a, a big thing so we have to figure out overall if everyone's fit and ready to go then what's the best team in the best formation mm. and they might not necessarily be the best players because as we said earlier if you're going to play two at the back and a back four and your choice is between Julian Ayer and Duffy those are three very 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 good players but maybe one of them has to miss out because unless you play three centre backs, and if we say well, three at the back doesn't work, you need to play the best shape. So if if four at the back's best, do you play either at right back maybe? Because I like big uh, El Hamed, he's a brilliant player. For a big guy, he's really really so good. So composed, yeah. I'd play him at right back. Mm-hmm. He'd be my right back, like Zolt with my left back. Uh, and at the current moment in time, if Big Julian was fit, he would maybe err on Big Julian and and Ayer. Uh, Unless the Shane Duffy situation is he's still to get fit, he's still to f- find his way in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so there's a, an issue. Uh, do you go 4-3-3, 4-4-2? Where do you go? What's the best choice? You'd like to go Eddie and Lee up front again, for me. Well, I was going to ask you that, so you know, last season. The back, then, I mean, as, as I said previously on this, Lee won the league last year. It was Lee Griffiths coming back. He was the only difference. Last year between the first half Breathed of the season... Breathed a bit of life into Eddie as well, Jim. He was the first half of the season. He was the difference between the first half and the second half. Mm. And you can see, well, it was 3-5-2. But it was Lee Griffiths. You know, because if you played Bio in 3-5-2 or Polish Paddy in 3-5-2, it wouldn't have an impact with Lee Griffiths up there. Bio. So, so, so Lee made the difference for me. So what's my best team? It's got Lee and Eddie up front. And we're now seeing us four at the back. Okay. So is that now 4-4-2? Is that, you know... Four, three, one, two. What combination is your best combination? To then and get the best out of Ryan Christie. The yeah. These players. And then you mentioned young David Turnbull. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get in the team, basically, for me. 
if we're picking our best 11 and we might be stuck with that he's not in the first 11 can't be in the first 11 unless he gets a couple of games and shines and all of a sudden we've got a situation that we had a few years ago when Ryan Christie came into the team and just all of a sudden shone and he's got to play and you couldn't leave him out so unless something like that happens to David Turnbull good player he is I think we've got such a strong squad and so many good players I mean, we've got what, seven, eight players to come back we do now. I'm going to ask you here because you've you've mentioned two players I want to highlight. The first one being um, Cham, and again, I don't think anybody would disagree that uh, technically he is one of the finest players in the country. However, we don't see that as often as we might. Last night, when the the team was named and and he started, I was surprised due to his poor performance against Rangers. Mm-hmm. I, I was very critical of him, Frimpong, and El Yunusi. I mean, as a team, we didn't perform well, but they three players, I thought, were, were particularly poor on Saturday. Now, on 21 minutes, and Cham looked in the mood from the kickoff. I've got to say, last night, um, he was playing in a position, Jim, where he was almost backing up or doubling up with Frimpong. Yeah. Uh, and there was a moment, there was one in the first half, one in the second half, on 21 minutes, where he played a cross-field pass to the for reference Luxalt that yeah. no one else on the park could have played. It was it was a genius bit of football. And he'd done again. He'd done the same thing on 57 minutes to the same player across the field of play. Now, I don't know if it is all about the, the nature of that game, the style and speed of the European game suiting him better, but he did look like a different player last night than the one we've seen uh, turning up on Saturday. The flip side of that is you were naming almost your, your best 11 there, and I'm guessing that the, the captain is in it. On last night's performance, we were a better team without Bruni. Now, is that even a, a consideration for Lenny? Was Lenny bringing him off with Sunday in mind? Yes. Do you go into a game against Patodre without the captain? No, you don't. I mean, I think I said to you, I thought he took, he, he took off Scott Brown to keep him for Sunday because he's been playing loads of games. You can't go to Patodre without your captain, I think. It's different if you're going to some of the smaller teams. I don't have an issue with them not playing all the games. But I think for Sunday and the kind of battle that's going to be, you need Scott Brown there on Sunday. If we're playing St. Johnson at home or something like that, that's not a big deal. So I thought it took him off. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. With that game in mind, as far as Cham is concerned, I think I heard one of your guests last Saturday call him an empty jersey. Uh, last Saturday mm. and I was really surprised because as I think I said before I think he'll be away in January that's my kind of gut feel because I don't think he'll be a regular starter and I think if you're not a regular starter and you're sub as I said earlier you can't be happy and I, I don't think he'll be a regular starter I think he'll go and I think last Saturday that's the biggest game in the Scottish calendar I thought that's the game he's going to show what a good player he was mm-hmm. it didn't happen uh, last night he may have been thinking if I'm moving, this is the kind of game that's going to be shown around Europe. We're playing AC Milan, Biggs Latan and the rest of them. If I put a performance in here, this will put me in the short window. So there might be a wee bit of that. Last night, as I said earlier, I think Europe probably suits them a bit better than the Hurley Billy of getting kicked all over the park at Tanadice or wherever. You know, so... And yes, maybe he's not playing in the right position. And his position is maybe 
maybe is the Scott Brown position. Mm-hmm. And I think Lenny has to manage Scott Brown this season. Uh, I still think he's a fantastic player. He's a tremendous leader. Uh, and it's going back to that bit of, of again. Lenny's got the 10 in his hands and he has to deal with all these variables and all these kind of factors. And he's got so many good players. You've got so many permutations. You know, you said last week about sometimes he's got a tendency to throw a curveball. You know, so he's got loads of curveballs he could he could throw. Mikey Johnson's a curveball. Young Dembele's a curveball. Turnbull could be a curveball. You know, there's, so there's loads of options. So, but he really needs to have to you know, pin down what's my what's my best shape, best formation, and what are the players that fit into that. And let's just go in that and let's just stick to that. So if somebody's coming in, they're coming in for that position. So mm-hmm. if you're going to rest Scott Brown for Hamilton, he's at home, then Cham's coming in and playing that position. And we're not changing it too much. Subject to injuries, again, and, and it, it's not an excuse, it's a fact. We've got more than half a team out of quality players. So once they're all back, and maybe too late, <laughs> once they're all back, depending yeah. on the next few results. But that's one of these things. And I also said before about about people who've who've, who've uh, got COVID, that we're quite blasé. You know, we talked last week, well, we're on the bench, you know, give us 20 minutes or it's, it's really bad apparently mm. with Eddie we don't know when he's going to be back so that could be the same with Big near Bitton and El Hamid and stuff like that and more people will get this as well so that's going to make things difficult and these are the bits that we can't control and I said that earlier I don't have any issues I think if we play the 38 game season we'll have enough opportunities to get this back if they call the league earlier we might not get the opportunity to get this back because what happened last year We'd never get the chance to play the last two Glasgow derbies. Mm. So if that happened this year, then the game at Ibrox in New Year is like that's the game for ten. That's the big game. So hopefully we play all the games and there's enough games to let us get that back. And I wouldn't be panicking just now because if we win the game in hand, albeit it's Aberdeen at home, then we're within a point. So let's just keep winning the games. Let's just. You know, go out there, show how good a team we are, win the games, keep clawing away at it, keep within one point, keep on their, you know, keep on their backs, you know, because they might crack again. Who knows? I, th- I think th- this is the one thing we, we did see it last season, Jim. Uh, we do have the depth of squad to make changes. We have options. I don't think, and I'm not going to focus on our opposition because that's not what we're all about. But we're talking about them if we're playing them or if we're talking about our nearest challengers, but I don't think they have the same options uh, that Neil Lennon's got with with the depth of squad. I don't think they'll have the same options come January should something have to uh, be done to, you know, shore up the defence, for example. If Celtic had to do it and we had to go out and get someone, you know, I've got confidence we could still do that. Absolutely. But if you take the equivalent of who we've lost over the the city, you know, they would be completely decimated. Oh yeah, decimated. I know they'd be playing the kids. Absolutely, they'd be playing kids. So that's a big factor as well. So you have to kind of bear that in mind that we're all about, you know, obviously raw about. We've lost two games, lost to our main, our main rivals last week. It's a disaster, etc., etc. Before that, we won eight, drew one. It was kind of okay, albeit performances weren't that good. We're still well in this. We win my game in hand. It's within a point. Just keep breathing down their necks. Let's get it together. Let's sort out the team shape and let's, you know. A bit more positive and, and move on. 
But if we don't do that, then that's a completely different scenario altogether. We'll talk differently next right. week if we don't do that. But Jim, right. what I would like to say, there's a couple of other points I'm going to make and it's going to be good to get your, your take on them before we start speaking to uh, people who are listening in and viewing us on YouTube, Facebook and, and uh, Twitter. The first one is, when you're looking at the substitutions that were made last night, we're looking at three players in Christy Rogic and El Yunusi who came on and performed particularly well. Uh, I would suggest El Yunusi scores the goal. Um, that's set up by Christie. Brilliant to see Big Tam Rogic um, looking like Tommy Rogic again, you know. Brilliant to see him performing. I don't see Rogic starting against Aberdeen despite his history with the club. Who of the three do you think is on that um, starting lineup on Sunday? Oh, right, Christie, of course. Right. And Christie, of course, as you said earlier, he's been the most dynamic player all season. Oh, yeah. he'll, he'll make things happen. You have to make things happen. What was disappointing about the second half? last Saturday is nobody made anything happen in fact the one person that made things happen was Big Ayer and it was the only time in, in that 90 minutes that somebody took somebody on and he drove up the park and the thing about Lee Griffiths is Lee Griffiths not only makes runs he knows the runs to make mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in the first half Polish Paddy he was running about daft he wasn't but stretching the, the defence he wasn't stretching no. the defence he was going in the wrong places so you bring on somebody like Lee Griffiths who's got the nous and the experience and the instinct. to know the instinct yeah. to know when to make the runs where to make the runs and if you notice that he got in front of the defender who couldn't touch him and he opened the whole thing up and I think if the goalkeeper had been maybe a few yards back he'd have got a shot away there and that was the one bit of really good play because somebody took somebody on yeah. and that's what Ryan Christie does and he'll take shots at goals and although it may be quite frustrating when he hits the ball 10, years over, 10 yards over the bar but if you don't shoot you don't score I'd much rather with more players in the team like that. We don't shoot often enough. And it annoys me when we do shoot, usually the quality is pretty poor. Cham's the worst for this. In terms of, with that chance in the last couple of minutes and he, and he pulled the thing wide. That annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> because, again, these are guys who train every week to be in that position, to have the composure, mm-hmm. the skill. Mm-hmm. You know, just get it in target. Not even get it in target. Get it in target and make the goalkeeper work. I mean, how many shots do you see that go in target to go straight to the goalkeeper? You think if you're doing this day out, day in and day out, and when it comes to match day, you should be shooting, you should be getting on target, you should be making the goalkeeper work. You shouldn't be pulling the ball 10 yards by the post or 10 yards over the bar like the chance we had last week. So that annoys me. That, yeah. But we should be shooting a lot more. Uh, Lee does this all the time. And Christy does as well. Christy does it all yeah. the time. Yep. Eddie maybe not so much so. So I'm trying to think who else as a put Tom Rogic has a, has a port. Well, McGregor does, but he's playing too deep yeah, at the moment, deep. isn't he? You know, I, I look at Christie, and when I give you the three, I, I knew instantly you would say Ryan Christie because week in, week out, he's like the, the first name on my team sheet. But people do criticise him for his corners, for his free kicks, and often for some of the wild nature of his, his shooting. But when you look at just the second half of Christie um, last night, seven on seven occasions he did something that created a chance. He, he was creative, mm-hmm. be that setting someone up or taking a shot himself. Now, some of the shots come to nothing, some of the crosses come to nothing, but he's making them work, he's making them think, he's pulling people and dragging folk out of um, position, Jim, and mm-hmm. he's creating space for others in doing so. And ultimately, he created the goal. We were in a situation last night, the NCHAM um, miss that you, you're speaking about, we're going for a 2-2 at that point, when Frimpong hits the byline, and fails to do what he'd done against Riga and find a man. We're going for 2-2. And then, of course, that sucker punch at the end makes the scoreline look like a comfortable one. Mm-hmm. If you were to compare the second half to the first half, 
you might say we, overall it was a comfortable victory. But in the second half, Jim, we were going for 2 2. I'm trying to pull out some positives. Laxalt was a positive. Christie was a positive. Even El Yunusi, yeah. for, for me, was very disappointing Saturday. He's come on, that's going to work for his confidence getting a goal. Charm was a positive, yeah. Po- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he was. Now, the other thing I'm going to say to you, and with you, with your knowledge of years gone by, we're going to flip it a bit. We're going to flip the situation a wee bit where we were trying to prevent um, a Rangers side back in 97-98 from winning 10 titles in a row. Uh, we were going for our first title um, in 10 years. And at that time, you know, and it's only you know it's only clear now, Jim, that the managerial appointment of Im Janssen was done in such a way that Fergus McCann tried to take away the... Um, you know the romanticism from the manager yeah, you know the committed manager that was Tommy Burns and um, it meant so much to Tommy to, to win the league first and foremost but he knew the importance of the 10 uh, to our challengers at that time and in fact it was Fergus McCann's belief according to Jock Brown that it meant too much to Tommy and he got too emotionally attached to the task in hand and one of the things one of the criteria when appointing a manager was it it's got to be a non-British manager. Mm. Now, we did that in appointing William Janssen. He did it again when he appointed Dr. Joseph Vengloss. Yeah. Um, now, when you're looking at the current situation, could we be looking at a similar scenario where Neil Lennon, it becomes too much for him as a manager? Now, that gives me a situation that I didn't want to be facing, Jim, mm-hmm. because I don't think bringing anybody new in, and there's been loads of talk this week of this, I don't think that that is just a magic wand. You bring someone else in. Well, that's what annoys me. You know, uh, if Neil Lennon is not up to the job for whatever reason, whatever reason at all, and people are clamouring for him to go, mm-hmm. who comes in? And some of the names I've seen, you think, really? Is that who you're saying? And what happens if they don't win the league? Whose fault is that? So, so one of the names that was mentioned, I mean, it's, it's, I think Lennon will turn it around. Right? So this is just for the sake of discussion. Like, cause this and is by like, the way, you're not one of these guys, Jim, who just says, Lenny, no, Lenny, stand no, by him. You know, no. you, I think we Lenny, spoke beforehand and you've got your concerns as well. I, so. think, I think Lenny will solve the problems. And, and, and if he can't solve the problems, he'd be the first to admit, I can't solve these problems. For whatever it is, because it's also the fact, I mean, Lenny's a bit old school. He's a bit Martin O'Neill-ish, you know. And you're dealing with players that have got a whole different mindset yep. these days. Now, uh, the majority of the players that are playing for Celtics now, I know that bother about the 10 It'd be great if it happened, but really they're not that bothered. Sean Duffy, yeah, Sean Duffy, Shane Duffy, yeah. Scott Brown, Forrest, Callum McGregor, yeah. But you're not telling me that, you know, Cham's that first at the end of the day. He'd love to win it, but if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, it's, it's not going to be devastating for him the way it is going for a lot of fans. So, so Neil's a bit old school. And Martin, he was a bit old school. So maybe old school's not working for the sake of discussion. See, it's not working. And one of the names that was mentioned was Eddie Howe. Say, well, bring in Eddie Howe, and you think, well, what has Eddie Howe done? And you think, well, from my limited knowledge of English football, I know he's done really well with Bournemouth. I know he's brought them up from the Championship, and he kept them in the league for four or five seasons, something like that. But he gets sacked at the end of the season, there, and he's, and he's not got a job. Mm-hmm. So if he's that highly rated, why is he not on a job? And I thought, well, I bet I should maybe do a bit of digging. I'm coming on here, so it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. So what's Eddie Howe's managerial uh, life so far? He was a player coach of Bournemouth. He got, uh, he got the Bournemouth gig. He brought them up from, I think, from the fourth tier to the third tier. He got offered the Burnley gig, 
who were in the championship. He came in in the January, uh, finished the season eighth, had a whole season, finished thirteenth, and three months into the next season, he left due to personal reasons to go back to Bournemouth, yep. clubs that he, you know. And I'm not saying anything against Eddie. Don't get me wrong, he's a very good man. He's done really, really well. But Bournemouth and Burnley, I don't view them as and no disrespect to their fans. If anyone's listening. You know, I think Dundee are a bigger team or Dunfermline are a bigger team in football context. I mean, they might have millions of money because of the bizarre league they're in, but I think Dundee are a bigger team than Bournemouth or Dunfermline are a bigger team than Burnley. So that's that's the teams he's managed. He's managed, you know, teams that are not getting big, big crowds. Imagine coming up to the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl mm. against Stevie G and the juggernaut that's over there that's meant to be. And if he fails, because he's only got, you know, two-thirds of a season or three-quarters of a season or something like that. So... Be careful what you wish for, you know, and you go for this short-term fix. I don't feel comfortable doing this because I think Lenny will turn it around. Uh, and if he doesn't turn it around, he'll be the first to put his hands up and say, it's not working. Uh, so maybe this is a conversation for another day uh, if things end up going pear-shaped. But I don't think they will go pear-shaped. I think we'll win on Sunday fairly comfortable, even though Aberdeen are on a really good run just now. Well, go up there, you'd be positive. you put your best team out, better shape, just go at them, win the game, back down the road with three points. And just try and keep that going for the next few months. Go to Ibrox, win that game. We're in the lead again, and off you go. And I'm not trying to sound like a kind of happy clapper, keep the faith and all this kind of stuff. Keep the faith to me is all about, if something's going wrong, why is it going wrong? Let's fix it, and let's move on, and let's be positive, mm-hmm. and let's back each other, and let's go for it. Uh, and one of the things, with obviously, the fact there's no fans at the game, I mean, the team would be getting pelters just now at the end of the games, you know, and that wouldn't do a lot for their confidence so at least they're getting spared that uh, so let's be positive and let's hope we can turn this around at the end of the day we're really only maybe one point behind at this point in time so let's not and then withstand, notwithstanding the level of performances and all the kind of all the noise that's kind of going around the thing totally get that totally get that at all uh, this is a big season so let's not you know panic at this point in time let's just try and keep it positive uh, but <laughs> If we don't get the three points on Sunday, that's a whole different conversation. Well, we will be talking about that next Friday. Now, there are plenty of comments coming through. And ever since Celtic started losing a couple of games, obviously the monitoring of said comments has been a fairly tricky exercise in itself. Uh, but rest assured, all the regulars, that uh, we are going through them either live or after the show to try and root out anybody who's just coming in to agitate the situation. Now, Darren G., uh, via YouTube is saying it definitely changed the players, not the formation. There was a few games when three five two looked great last season. I think that was down to teams not being used to defending that formation with two up top. Now, we've obviously spoken about the personnel. I think we're a stronger squad this season than we were last season. It's been decimated though, Jim, and you've made that point really well. It has been decimated. And I think... It would it would be fantastic in an ideal world to be able to to call on um, your entire squad. It's not really been the case at all this season. Uh, but regardless, Neil Lennon's going to have to deal with the players that we've got until he gets it right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I tend to talk about shapes and formation quite a lot. Uh, it's not the players at the end of the day, uh, I think. Uh, the players are there. Just figure out how best to utilise those players and at the, at, the, at the risk of repeating myself again that we have got the best players of any other team in the country mm-hmm. so we need to reflect that on the park 
and Lenny has to figure out how to do that. It sounds dead obvious. Uh, but there's going to be lots of other noise going on within Celtic Park uh, that we don't know about in terms of backroom staff and coaching and training and COVID and everything else that's going to go out there. So who knows what's going on? But just, you know, we have the best players, therefore let's go and show it. Now, you're right, who knows? And that's why we, we try not to throw fuel to the the fire, Jim, when it comes to all these rumours. Everybody knows. Everybody gets the team line sent to them. Everybody gets these rumours every time there's a bad result. And, um, you know, we try not to, to feed it into that. What I'm saying with regards to things aren't aren't right at the moment, it's, it's down to the performances, it's down to the manner in which we've been defeated. And it's the manner in which we've scraped through some of the games. I made a point yesterday, Jim, and it was um, all around... The, the types of player that we're bringing into the club and the, the change in culture between the, the Brennan Rogers era compared to the era that we're currently in, Neil Lennon Mark II, and the types of player that Brennan Rogers could manage uh, quite confidently. Um, and whether or not there's a group of players that, that don't, you know, react well to Neil Lennon's style, I think that's something that, you know, it's a discussion point. It could, it could well be. I have no uh, doubt that... Uh, Certain players play for certain managers. Are some of our top uh, class players not suited to Neil Lennon's style? That could be a factor. And I said maybe Neil's a bit old school with some of this stuff. And the thing about it, if you've got a squad of, however size the squad is, 24 first team players, whatever, all with different personalities, uh, different nationalities, it's a bit of a challenge having to manage that. It's not like the old days where, you know, Lisbon Lions and everyone's. From 30 miles to Glasgow and they're all pulling the same direction and they're all getting paid the same it's not very much money you know you haven't to deal with that you haven't to deal with 24 players trying to get the optimum get the best out of those 24 players that's a huge challenge and deal with the media as well and trying to keep a lid on lots of stuff mm-hmm. and you said you know, these, these leaks are coming out that's not good you know so somebody's undermining them by doing that absolutely and that's what I said before about if something's not going right find out why it's not going right and deal with it mm-hmm. So eradicate it. Goodness knows what this leak thing is about. You know, what if it was one of the established first team players that's just you know trying to undermine the manager? I mean, that'd be that'd be shocking if something like that happened. As opposed to some, you know, you know, some some backroom member of staff that's maybe, you know, that's if it's a disgruntled player, back. then yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think if it's something like that, then that's really serious. Uh, if it's one of the main players, that's really serious. But for that size of squad, twenty four, and obviously all. All managers have to deal with that. But this of all seasons where the ten is in Lenny's hands and he's having to pick the best he's having to pick the right players, sorry, not the best the right players for the games and get things right and and he's got millions of eyes watching him every single day. It's not even match days, every single day. What you saying every time he comes in front of the media he has to be so guarded in terms of what he actually says. No, you do, because every every word is um the nuance, it's like, well, what did he mean by that? And, and I know. I know, What's and I mean, we do it. We do it on the show. We look at what what Lenny said after a game, and we start, you know, uh, picking it apart. Yeah. And of course, uh, Jim as well. Everything we say ends up as a meme on the Rangers website because they've got nothing better to do with their time. They're not used to being at the top of the league. They which don't is, know how to is, enjoy it, which is absolutely fair enough. You don't have a big issue. I mean, I just laugh at it. The issue is, is that uh, if we don't succeed this year, it will be our fault. Uh, and it's been said a number of times. The only team that will beat Celtic this year is Celtic. 
as one of your guests said a few, a few days ago, we're doing a hell of a job. We're doing a hell of a job, but we're doing really well to be trying ourselves. Trying our best at it, yeah. We're trying our best to beat ourselves. This one year. thing I would say again that I'm keen to get through a few of these points that are coming through because it's always great to engage with those who are listening in. Um, the leak, the leak, or is it leaks? Because when when you think back, when you think back to the transfer sheet, you know after a meeting the transfer sheet was photographed and shared widely. Yeah. That's by an employee of the club. Aye, you know? So it's still continuing. So how widespread is it? That That's a massive issue that obviously the club are dealing with. Yeah. They dealt with it the last time. They identified who was responsible and they dealt with the situation. So when you're a Celtic manager, though, and, and this is the reason I'm bringing this up, you take the job on, you know how big it is, you know what the expectations are, but you also know that you're going to have to be dealing with things away from the football. So you look at Ronnie Dyler. He had to deal with mutiny in the camp with the senior pros. You then move into Brennan Rogers' territory, who's dealing with players who are down in tools, i.e. Boyata, Dembele to a degree, yeah. uh, engineering moves via social media. And then you are Neil Lennon coming into the club. You're dealing with the leaked transfer targets. You're dealing with the leaked teams. You're dealing with players who are going to French uh, media outlets and saying, I don't want to play in Scottish football. So that that's part of the territory as well, though, Jim, isn't it? When you take the job, you know that's part of the job. Yeah, but I mean, once upon a time, you'd managers like, like Jockstein, like Alec Ferguson, who, who knew everything that was happening in the club. And because things are so... There's a football division here and maybe a financial division there, and they're all split into different component parts. So a lot of these guys may have access to that kind of information as well. We have to get to the root of this kind of stuff. So if it's a, if it's a first-team player that's undermining Neil Lennon, he has to go. Basically, you can't you can't put up with that. So it's about finding the problems. What are the problems? And as you said, there might not be football problems. Maybe other issues there. So we need to get to the bottom of these problems and solve the problems. I mean, if, if Lenny's sitting with his feet up doing nothing, that's an issue. I don't think he's sitting with his feet up doing nothing. I think he's trying to do the very, very best that he can to achieve 10 in a row. If he's not doing that, he shouldn't be there. So I firmly believe that's what he's doing. Uh, if people aren't helping him, we need to find out who they are and get rid of them. Mm. as soon as we can uh, that's non-football stuff on the football side of the things just get the best team and the best formation on the park and be positive and, and let's start clawing this back and moving forward another thing I mean this might sound a bit odd but, but when you do win things and you think it's an achievement to win things it's good to win it when pushed all the way so here's a choice I'll give you would you rather that the main challenges completely collapsed and they lost 12 points in the next few games, and we stroll to 10 in a row, right? Is that as good an achievement as been pushed all the way? And win that in the last day of the season, say, obviously it wouldn't do much for your heart, but, you know, that would be a huge achievement. And what happened last year, or last season, was that our main challenges just collapsed. Now, we had, to win, we had to win the game, we had to put the points on the board, and it was deserved, absolutely deserved, but the main rivals chucked it. So maybe it wasn't as big an achievement. But this year we're thinking if we do the 10 this year, given the level of performance across the city, that'll be a bigger achievement. I, I prefer a competitive edge, Jim. I've got to so say, I. I do, because I just think everything else improves. So I think your I. performance in Europe improves. I think if you're going to have that tempo, you then go into a cup game and you're much more likely to get results so elsewhere. And that's why I enjoy when we're playing games in Europe. That's when I used to love going to the Champions League game when under Gordon Strachan because mm. he, he thought a lot about the game and it was like a game of chess. And I was I was mentally knackered at the end of a Champions League game. 
because you were looking at all the kind of permutations and you're thinking, don't make a mistake, give it to him, don't make, keep the ball. And if I was mentally knackered watching a game, <laughs> what are the players going to be? Because those were real tests. You know, if you beat AC Milan, which we did 2-1, that was huge. You beat Man United, those were huge. Mm. You know, beating Ross County 5-0, we should be beating Ross County 5-0. No disrespect to, I mean, it's 11 v 11 and all that kind of thing, and you're never going to win games 5-0 all the time. But if we're playing Livingston or Hamilton, and if we don't beat those teams, there's something wrong. Now, once in a while, we're going to drop some points, and that's just the nature of the football, especially with the cup and that kind of stuff. But in terms of an achievement, I, mean, I don't think anyone outside Scotland is bothered about the 10. It's, it's, it's two teams that are at each other's throats. And if we win 10, then, you know, that's it forever. And if we don't win 10, it's not it forever. So, but, and that's spoiling things a wee bit. And I said last week, I think as well, that in fact, what's actually spoiling it more than that is the bounty for the Champions League. Because even if you said, you know what, let's just take a season and bring in a new manager, forward-thinking manager, no disrespect to Lenny, this is in a couple of years' time, say, foreign manager, new ideas, innovative, he's the next big manager, and he signs all these young guys, and they're, and they're great to watch, and we lose a league by 10 points, and don't get in the Champions League, and we lose the 30, 40 million pounds. Which one do you want? You know, which one do you want? Because you would like to have both, but... It tends to be not having voters, but winning games. And that's why a lot of the times the games maybe aren't that exciting. You can have you're there to win some, some some points. And would you rather play really, really well and lose or play terribly and get the three points? And we're in this season where, where it's the season of the ten and you're gonna go for the latter. Just win the games, get the points, and come back up the road. Uh, that's exactly where we are just now. And I think even beyond the ten, whether we get the ten or not. Because of the Champions League bounty, mm. I think it'd be hard to do that. I'm not bothered about the league. Mm, yeah. And as well as losing that bounty, you know who's getting the bounty. Aye. So it's a double. That, that it's, it's, it's double, yep. basically. You know, you lose, they get, and that swings. And that's why you get in the Champions League, you're plus 30 uh, compared to the main rivals, and you're not in it, you're then minus 30. So there's a £60 million swing there. So, mm. And that's where, again, money's coming into things. So... It is what it is in terms of where we are. And I think we have to have that balance and act about, yes, we'd love to watch open attack. And in the second half of last season, we got both, you know, putting points on the board and playing really well. And it was great to watch. Uh, but the first half of last season was almost exactly the same as the first half of this season in terms of things that panned out. And that's not to say because it turned out good last season, it's going to turn out good this season. That's not the case. Not with a lot of work and a lot of effort by everyone, it's not just Neil Lennon, it's everyone there. And if all the players aren't pulling in the same direction, that's a big concern. It is, it's a massive concern now. Um, Stephen Ray has come on to save your YouTube, and if anybody's watching on YouTube, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Uh, and he states that Brown came off because he was terrible, time to bench him. Um, I actually think we performed better without him last night, but you have seen uh, the impact that he can make. He saw that... Um, not when he came on against Dundee United, but you saw the impact that he made against Dundee United and also against St Johnston when he comes on as a sub, Jim. And that's why I posed the question at you. I think it is a consideration. No, I think uh, because of the game last night, we were we were on the front foot in most of the second half. So if you take away a defensive midfield player and put on a forward, or an offensive player, we're going to look better. Uh, you can't leave Scott Brown out for, for, for playing at Pataudry. Uh 
thereafter that, as I said, if we're playing St Johnson or Hamilton or Ross County, knock yourself out. You know, you can, you can you can easily miss those games, but it's going to be a battle on Sunday as it normally is up up there, and you want your captain to lead the battle. Mm-hmm. Do you play Cham instead of him? Given how poorly Cham has performed in domestic football this year, no, you don't. Or not for me, you don't. We're playing next week. Is it Leo next next Thursday? Yes. Yeah. You could play Cham then. Leave it Scott Brown then. Don't have an issue with that at all. Because I'm not fussed about Europe. In fact, Cham plays better than Europe. And in fact, I leave. You could you, you could leave Scott behind then, so he doesn't have to travel. If you want to do that, don't have an issue with that. But you know, Aberdeen away next to Ibrox. That's 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 the biggest challenge, and they've been playing really well. And they're up for, And the thing I hadn't noticed because I thought I better look at the league table before I come to. They're only three points behind us. I know. You know after for the all Hamilton, the you know yeah. they, yep. they get they get hammered by Motherwell and they lost to Rangers in the first day of the season and they were hanging with nil nil last week against Dundee United. But it was they're only three points behind, so we lose the game then or joint second, and uh, and that's the catch up game as well. So we've got two games against them, and they'll be fancying their chances for what they've seen this week. I mean, going into a game where Celtic have lost two in the bounce, mm. they'll be thinking their confidence is down. We're playing well. We're at home. Uh, scored goals, scored four the other night, so it's going to be a tough, tough game, and we need everyone who's up for the fight, and what was clearly shown last Saturday, there was a number of players who weren't up for the fight. No, that that, that was the biggest concern, Jim, now. And we need this season up for the fight. Everybody. There can't be any empty jerseys. No empty jerseys. Now, quite a few people listening in have highlighted that uh, someone came on and made a number of inappropriate comments, Jim, so I have taken that on board and they've been blocked and we'll continue to do that that's just what we have to do they've been quiet for about 10 years but all of a sudden in the last fortnight we've heard a lot of racket and a lot of noise coming in from that's elsewhere fine. that's fine that's fine, that's that's fine. That's we need to tidy it up a wee bit now Chick Cameron welcome to the show Chick you're commenting on Facebook great to hear from you sir Scott Brown has lost half a yard you get away with it in the Premier but not in Europe interesting because I, I thought he was poor last night remember Lustig's last season exactly the same as Brown promote him to player coach that last point Jim let's let's leave this this is a final point um, that I think we'll make today now I've been looking at the dugout I've been looking at the coaching staff we spoke to Lawrence about this on Tuesday he was of the view that Lenny should have his own team um, you're looking at that it does seem a bit fragmented now I don't know how much of that is down to the fact that they can't be huddled together due to the restrictions etc but it does certainly seem like three individuals there, you know, Gavin Stratton, John Kennedy, Neil Lennon. Now, what Chick has said there about Scott Brown, I think that is a natural progression for Scott Brown. Yeah. Um, whether or not it can happen this season. But what I would say is, you put Scott Brown there on the bench, mm-hmm. not literally at the moment because they're all sitting in the stand. He can still influence. He can still influence on the training pitch. He can still influence in the dressing room before a big game and the mm. coach going to that game. And we've seen it previously with Tom Boyd and Paul Lambert. Um, is it, you know, yes, he's not playing as well. He's not playing as well as we have seen previously. And in the last two games specifically, I can understand the risk uh, removing him from the start lineup on Sunday because you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't depending on, on the result. Do you see at some point perhaps this season uh, that happening? Not to the player coach, that might be more long term, but periods where he's on the bench. I don't see him with a player coach this season because that would just be, you know, an admission that everything's wrong. If all of a sudden you're making him a coach and you've got two coaches there, I think that would be, you know, you've, you've put your hands up, I can't cope with this. 
I can't see that happening this year. As I was talking earlier, it just suddenly occurred to me that maybe we should lead them out for European games and let, and let Champ play the European game yeah. because that would maybe kill two birds with one stone then because Champ wants to play. Uh, so you say you're playing in Europe and, and those are the games that are kind of people will be watching. So if you want to move on, why don't you go play in Europe? Because maybe the domestic game isn't, 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 isn't for you. That's not to say he doesn't play domestic games, but I think we just pick and choose which games that Scott Brown's going to play. You know, and it is Hamilton at home in Livingston. But if you're going to Pitozzi or you're going to Easter Road, maybe not so much now because there's no crowds there, but, but those are the big games. Those will be battles. And you need Scott Brown for the battles. That's it. You don't need Scott Brown for the games that are going to dominate the ball. Uh, so you can miss those games out. Mm-hmm. And because of his age, you wouldn't expect him to be able to play as many games as we're playing. We're now playing, you know, Weekend, midweek, midweek weekend, Scottish Cup ties from last year, Europe, the whole kind of thing. You wouldn't expect them to play all these games. So I think uh, absolutely just pick and choose the games that, that you maybe play them in and maybe let them miss out in Europe. So it doesn't have to travel as well. That could be a kind of a kind of solution. But longer term player coach, absolutely. As long as whoever the manager is at that point is happy to have, a, have, a, have him as a player coach. Because the point you, the person made there is that is that you want your manager to pick their own backroom. Uh, and that's maybe not happened this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, so, who picks the backroom staff? And again, you know, without going a bit too much, that Lenny comes in and he was just kind of told, "There's John Kennedy for you." Uh, and did Lenny appoint Gavin Strachan, or did that come from somewhere else? Again, we've got no idea how these things work. But for you or I, doing whatever job we're doing, if we were asked to assemble a team to do whatever job we do and you were going to lead that team then one would think that you get to pick the people who are part of your team and if it yeah. wasn't working you would replace the people in your team because ultimately you're going to carry the can so if we don't do the 10 the fingers will be pointing at Lenny but if Lenny feels at any point in time that maybe the backroom staff aren't right one, two, whatever or players aren't right or something's not right that's his job to fix it that's his, that's his job to identify what the issue is and his job to fix it and I'm confident that he'll do that but if he doesn't do that then you'd have to blame him for not sorting out the problems mm. you can't let these things fester and you mentioned 97, 98 earlier when we were trying to stop the 10 what happened across the roads uh, in 97, 98 they were complacent you know they didn't take action and that's how well, obviously we, we played well and we put points on the board but they should have won that league. They should have won 10 in a row. And, and they'll still be kicking themselves if they didn't win 10 mm-hmm. in a row because they were complacent. So if there's a problem, you need to deal with it. And I'm assuming that story about Dermot Desmond last week is true. I'm assuming that's true. And if it's true, good. Because that's what I'd expect. Something's not working. You call the two guys in who are possibly responsible for it's not working and you wave a yellow card at them to say, next time it's red guys unless you go and sort this stuff out. Yeah. So... The manager's been backed in the transfer window. I said previously, astonished that we kept the guys we kept. Astonished at the quality we brought in. The tools are there. The injuries, that's been unfortunate. And I don't believe if we had all those players fit, we wouldn't have had the, we wouldn't have had the performance we had last Saturday. And we'd possibly won the game last Saturday. So that's a huge factor. But if there are any issues just now... Lenny's the man to sort it. He has to go and sort those issues out and we'll move on from there and everyone pulling in the right in in the same direction. If there's issues there 
and either he's not able to sort it or he can't sort it, then that's a problem. Because we're assuming that he's the manager and there, but he is the manager obviously, but we're assuming he's got the power to change certain things. What if he hasn't the power to change certain things? Mm. You then shift the finger of blame to someone else, whoever that may be, to say, hold on, <laughs> he's telling you, if you want to achieve 10, you need to do X, Y and Z. And you're not letting me do X, Y and Z. So I, it's not my f- I'm going to carry the can. And social media, there's going to be a zillion comments about this guy's, you know, get rid of this guy's, and, and my hands are tied. And that's a terrible position to be in. I'm, I'm not saying that's the case, sorry. I'm just, just just talking. In terms of, we don't know what's happening. But if there's a problem there, and there obviously is a problem, is it a big problem or a small problem? Who knows? But identify it and deal with it. And let's try and move on, all pulling in the same direction, and let's keep positive because we do have the best players. Oh, without a doubt. Stick one apart, win yeah. the games, and move on. And hopefully, in a month's time, we're through the Scottish Cup final, there's a few decent performances in the Europa, and we're no worse than one point behind. You know, even less than that, in a week's time, Jim, you'll be here again. And uh, by that time, we'll have played Aberdeen and Lille. And let's hope by that stage, the mood has... Um, got a little bit brighter uh, over the next week because a week is a long time in football Jim yep and uh, you know we've got some brilliant responses to the show today so thanks everybody for getting in touch via Twitter, Facebook and YouTube just a reminder get yourself subscribed on YouTube we broadcast every single day uh, even on our days off so work that one out and uh, all that's left for me to say as well as thanking all you guys for getting involved is thank you to Jim Moore for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Thanks, Paul. Report. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.